Well, Renee Vitelli, the uh, world is a much different place this morning than it was when we uh, uh, left the air on Friday. Yeah, it is. And uh, there's a good chance it's going to be a much different place um, come Friday than it is this morning. And and we'll be watching this all morning. We'll we'll get to this in just a second, obviously. Uh, Israel and, and uh, Palestine, the Hamas territory of the Gaza Strip, are at war. And there's a lot to unpack there. But let's focus on the positive to start this Monday. Your Detroit Lions are 4-1 and one and in sole possession of first place of the uh, NFC North. I did not think that uh, I would be able to hear those words in my lifetime. I'm not going to lie. But damn, it feels good. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> look, just enjoy it. I, I mean, there's been so many times where hope springs eternal uh, at the beginning of every football season. And, uh, you know, they've had just just enough good seasons to kind of keep that false hope alive. But it, it seems like uh, they have turned the corner, knock on wood. And I've got to say, watching a legit NFL team is 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 so foreign to me. We haven't been here since I think I read since 91. I think the last time we won the North was 1993. Oh, 93. Okay, I thought it was 91. <laughs> What's two years amongst yeah. a couple of decades, right. you know? Okay. And uh, I, I was talking about this last week. Um, you know, I, I, I relaxed in the fourth quarter of the, the Green Bay game thinking, okay, we've got this thing wrapped up. And that felt weird. It felt even more weird to feel like we had the thing wrapped up going into halftime yesterday. Um you know, the Lions didn't have a great third quarter, but they ate up a lot of clock and um, and, and they picked up right where they left off in the fourth quarter. And uh, this morning we have our Detroit Lions correspondent in with us, Parker Moser. Park, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with uh, what happened in the third quarter. And I think it's a trend like we saw it with Green Bay. Uh, started to slow down in the third quarter before picking back up in the fourth. We saw it with the Panthers, uh, and they talked about it after the game, too. Jared Goff said it's something that they have to work on, and as much as I would love to say, like, yes, it is something that they absolutely need to work on, we've been doing pretty good so far, but we have tough teams coming up, so it is something that we need to look out for. Yeah, and I mean, look, the, the Panthers stink this year. They're winless, but... Once upon a time, this would have been one of those games that the Detroit Lions screwed up. So it's it's nice to see at least they're doing the basics of what they're supposed to be doing. Don't care. A win is a win. And also, you know what? That's fine that uh, Kansas City has Taylor Swift, although she wasn't there yesterday for that game. It was nice of the NFL to give her the day off. That's Yeah, right. But we had Eminem in the suites yesterday. That right. was pretty cool. And I saw a graphic. I think he's got three more Grammys than her. <laughs> He so, does. <laughs> but, so nanner nanner. Yeah. And, and, and look, Hutch is an ab- absolute superstar. That uh, that interception he had in the first half, it was like a glove save, man. It was like, uh, put him between the pipes for the Red Wings. That was some cat-like right. reflexes. Uh, scary moment, though. Um, Chandler uh, Zavala, I believe I'm saying that right, uh, the rookie offensive lineman from uh, the Panthers, uh, he went down uh I, I believe that was in the second quarter, or maybe it was the first quarter. He he went down, and for a second it felt like Demar Hamlin. Um, the stadium fell quiet. You had that kind of wall of people around him, which uh-huh. I, I think the teams do. So that if someone's really really injured, you know, people aren't seeing it on TV to give them a little privacy. privacy yeah. And um, the TV broadcast came back from break and went back to break really quick. 
and Which then, is never a good sign. Right. And then once they stopped showing the replay of the injury, I was like, uh-oh. Because that's exactly – normally if someone tweaks an ankle or they, they hurt their knee, they'll show the replay of the injury a From couple times. From different times. angles. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, almost gratuitously. Right. And they showed it once, and then they stopped showing it. And, and you had that, that sinking feeling in uh-huh. your stomach. So it was a great relief to see him carted off the field. Yeah. And, Park, I think you said that uh, there's reports that it was a neck injury, but he does have movement of all of his extremities. Yes, and I also have an up-to-date uh, report from AP News saying that he was he is traveling home with the team. He was staying in a Detroit hospital at first. Uh, while they were checking him out. But as of now, he has returned home with the team, which is oh, a good, good. sign. Good. So Very there good. we go. Great, great afternoon at Ford Field all the way around. And uh, Alex Anzalone had a, had a good had a good game. Uh, the, the linebacker for the Lions he had eight tackles. And I'm wondering if um, he was a little more on edge because – uh, we got word that his parents are over in Israel trying to evacuate. They're they're over there on a, uh, a church trip, and um, I don't know if they're stuck there, but um, they're trying to evacuate. And, and obviously, that had to have been weighing heavy on his mind. You know that whole situation over there. I was watching uh, coverage of it yesterday. How unprecedented! I mean, we we've been throwing that term around in so many different stories lately, but it, it truly is. Uh, the surprise attacks over there, just unbelievable. That music festival that was going on, which yes. was supposed to symbolize love and yep. peace and celebration of, uh, you know, their holiday over there. And, and it was anything but. Yeah. And I think that that was 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 targeted. That was strategic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were all shocked on Saturday morning to find out that um, um, Hamas militants from the Gaza Strip carried out a sneak attack on Israel. Uh, the news has been saying via air, land, and sea. They 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 cut through the border. Mm-hmm. They cut through the fence. Uh, they shot rockets. Uh, militants were coming in with with, with hang gliders, and uh, at at current seven hundred people dead in Israel, including four Americans, yeah. four hundred dead in Gaza, and uh, you know Israel has launched their own counterattack. Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, along with his government, declared official war um, on Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And, you know, Renee, like the entire world, you know, we've known this conflict. It's just been just words can't even describe just how vitriolic this 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 conflict has been. Yeah. But it, it almost seemed like there was mutually assured destruction, like. It almost seemed like it was a bunch of mobsters. Everyone kind of had their guns pointed at each other, yep. and, and and nobody was going to pull the trigger. And not only were were we as the American public taken aback by this, so was Israeli intelligence, so was the United States intelligence. Um, it was on no one's radar, right? I, I mean, uh, all day I, I was watching NBC News and, and and CNN and Fox News flipping between them, and they all said the same thing. They talked to a high ranking. U.S. military official, and they said that they were not tracking this. No. Mm-mm. And so there are so many implications now over in that over in that region. Um, you know, the West Bank is is Hamas territory. Um, so is the Gaza Strip. Uh, the West Bank so far, there hasn't been any fighting breaking out there, but that's very close to Jerusalem. You got Hezbollah, who are um, 
aligned with Hamas to the north in Lebanon. I guess Israel has actually um, started shooting at Iranian targets in Lebanon. Um, Of course, Iran, they back Hamas. So this this could turn into a proxy war between um, Iran-backed Hamas and the United States-backed Israel. And, um, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know how far this is going to spread yeah, the in the magnitude region. of this and how long it's going to take, uh, you know, how what how long this is going to take and, and how, how far it's going to escalate. Um, back here at home, I'm concerned about people from the Jewish and Islamic faith being at each other's throats. Um, there's been a lot of demonstrations over the weekend, uh, both pro-Israel and pro-Palestine. Yeah. Um, and the United States is sending aircraft carriers, um, um, and 5,000 sailors, uh, moving them to the Eastern Mediterranean on standby in case they need to get involved on Israel's behalf. Um, this on, you know, we've all been watching Ukraine, obviously we've all been watching China saying, okay, don't make any move towards Taiwan that, uh, you know, it's like it's like the magician's sleight of hand. We're looking over here, and then and then this pops up. Right. And you know, how far are we here in the United States? How how far are we going to be stretched? Then is China watching this, saying, "Okay, now that they're preoccupied, we mm-hmm. can start screwing around with Taiwan." So, um, like I said, world's a much different place this morning than it was Friday, and and it could be a very different place. Uh, um, in a week at the end of this week. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, there's still a lot of other things going on in the news. We'll try to get to all of it. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. With Renee Vitale, and of course, the big story over the weekend um, was the all out war that has broken out between Israel and the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. Um, obviously, the surprise attack that happened on Saturday. Um, Hamas militants attacking uh, Israel, civilians, targets, and anything that they can destroy. Um, it looks like we, about a half hour ago, got word that Israel's military has retaken some of the communities around the Gaza Strip that were, were breached and taken over. Uh, but this thing is going to drag on and on and on. And uh, meanwhile, back at home here, Renee. Uh, you notice something kind of interesting outside the windows here, the eighth floor of the Fisher building. Yeah, the uh, Rensen. Well, Nick Roddy first noticed that uh, when the strike started, the striking started, that GM had not illuminated the rings around the Rensen Tower, that it was just the GM logo. Yeah, the color rings. Yeah, yeah. and now they're illuminated again. Maybe they're celebrating not uh, averting another strike target on Friday. I, I'm sure there's some kind of symbolism as to why they weren't illuminated, and now they are. Yeah. There has to be. You, you know, Sean Fain, he did one of his um, Facebook Live announcements on Friday at 2 p.m., which I thought was an indicator there wasn't going to be any more strike targets. I guess um, the GM Arlington assembly plant was next to be struck and uh, at the last minute, GM uh, made a deal to place uh, electronic vehicle battery plants under the national agreement with the rest of the big three whenever the agreement is reached. And uh, Sean Fain was was wearing an interesting T-shirt. It said, uh, eat, eat the, the rich. rich. And I don't know, it, it almost felt like it almost felt like it was merch, didn't it? 
well, like you could go on the UAW store and and buy the Eat the Rich. Uh, you know, it wasn't his camouflage, you know, done screwing around shirt. Um, Ford and Stellantis, they're also reporting good progress in their talks. Um, look, it's it's a good thing I'm not president of the UAW because I would have looked at Ford's agreement last week where the average person will be making six figures in four years. GM putting the battery plant under the same agreement as the rest of the company. And I would have been like Tommy Boy. Okie dokie. Okay. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. Sounds good. Yeah. I wouldn't have the stomach to to, to hold out even more. I know. And uh, when I was listening to Fane's announcement, I thought he was inching towards. I thought it might have been too soon for one of the um, companies to reach an agreement with UAW. But it felt like he was kind of inching towards that. But he stopped just short. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I thought that's where we were headed. Um, over the weekend, Sean Fain, um, he was at a rally in Chicago. And there's no denying the the mountains that, that he seems to be moving. But but he was out there saying that they, they have outsmarted and outmaneuvered the auto companies. I'm like, you might not want to say that until after a deal is reached, uh, especially as negotiations are, are, are ongoing. But, uh, you know, he's he's had so many negotiating wins, you know. Who am I to second guess? But I mean, it feels like this thing is is closer to being to to being over. But uh, but who knows? We'll see what this Friday holds. That's all we can do. Every yeah. week, week by week. It, it, I mean, it is becoming must must see TV. It's, it re- honestly, it's the highlight of my week to tune in to see what he's going to say next. Usually around Wednesday, I'm like, all right, Sean, what time are you talking this Friday? Right. What time yeah. are you talking this Friday? So hopefully, um, but. Ho- you know, hopefully we get even better news and, and, and people can yeah, can get, get back, back to work. To work. Um, DTE is is under investigation from Michigan uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel, Renee. Yeah, she's asked for an investigation into their e-bill program over concerns that the company enrolls customers without getting permission first. The e-bill program automatically enrolls DTE customers into their paperless billing program without approval from the customer. Dana Nessel's office said that this could pose hardships to customers who don't know about the program and aren't checking their email accounts for bills that they expect to come in the mail. Now, according to Nessel, customers who have shared their emails with DTE Energy for other reasons may be notified that they've been selected for an e-bill trial. DTE Energy automatically enrolls the customers into the program if they don't manually opt out. The opt-out language is at the bottom of the unsolicited email and thus likely not to be read by the customer. Paperless billing without consent can cause a problem for customers who had previously opted in for paper billing and are unaware that the utility made this change. So as a result, the customer is at risk for delinquency right. and may be subject to late fees and shutoff notices. Right. And 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 look, this is something that would have never affected me because I've always paid my bill online. Right. But if you're still getting a, a, a paper statement, you're probably not checking your email every day. Well, and if you have your spam filter set high like I do. Right. I, you know, you won't even get it. And then next thing you know, you're getting late fees, shut off notices. And as we go into these colder months, mm-hmm. that could be a real problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. I barely check my personal email anyway because right. you know, I never use it. But. I very, I very rarely click on anything because everything just looks like spam or some kind of advertisement. Sure. I get emails from 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 you know DTE or um, 
Xfinity, you know, all these utilities. And 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 normally I just pass right by them because everything I need to know, I'll either get into the mail or I'll log into it. So, I, you know, I don't think they're trying to scam people. I just think this was a poorly thought out initiative. Right, right. I, I still like the paper process. It helps keep me on track. You do? I do. Wow, I how quaint of you. I know. I know. An old lady like that. <laughs> what, ha- what happens is I understand the uh, phone number uh, that DTE calls from when my bill is late. <laughs> you know and the then number. I say, oh, that's right. I got to pay my electric bill this week. <laughs> Hey, but if you win the Powerball, you won't need to worry about paying bills. I was going to say, you know, if maybe <laughs> if I would have bought a lottery ticket over the weekend, uh, I just put it on auto pay. You know, one day I want to be wealthy enough to just put all my bills on auto pay. And not even think I about it. I don't know it. how people do that. <laughs> Set it and forget it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, surprise, overdraft. Uh, you know, I like to see I like to see my money going out of my <laughs> bank account. But, yeah, there, so there's been no mega million winner. Uh, yet, but it was a pretty good weekend to play the lotto here in Michigan. Uh, there was one $3 million winner in Canton. They played online. And then another $1 million winner in Macomb Township. They purchased that at Northview Wine Shop. I believe that's at 21 and card if my if my uh, east side geography is Very correct. Very good. Very good. Um, you know, I don't really buy myself lottery tickets. I may every now and then for like a Mega Millions jackpot, which is one point five five billion. But I do love I do love when people gift me scratch offs because I never buy myself scratch offs. But when I get one and I'm, you know, I'm scra- I'm using the, the little coin to scratch on my t- I I never feel so alive. That's what we gave for our wedding party favors. That's great. Yeah. Were you worried that someone was going to win big money and not split it with you? Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> It said wishes for riches from the Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I would do if uh, if I uh, if, if I won a, a, a big scratch off at your wedding? What would you do? Quietly go home. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like scratch offs are a waste of money. But if someone gives me one, they're buying they're buying you hope for, you know, the, that 15 seconds. Usually it's 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 met with despair, but it's not your money anyway. They're testing the friendship in case you win big. That's true. <laughs> um, and here's the thing on, on scratch offs. I'm I'm just happy if I win like a dollar. So there you go. Everyone who's think, wondering what to get me for for Christmas, you know, just a couple of scratch offs. There and, we go. And if I if I hit a big jackpot, we can we can talk we can we can talk we can negotiate, but <laughs> don't expect much. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. And as always, at this time, Renee and I are joined in studio by Guy Lloyd and Jamie, the JR Morning Crew, and. Um, all right, everyone. Let's be honest. Who broke down and turned their heat on this this weekend? Not uh, yet. Really? Not yet. One hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I had to take the chill off the house. Me too. Yeah. What What about you, guy? We opened the windows. No, you didn't. <laughs> what? Yeah. You guys are I, out of your I, mind. I, I kid you not. It, we you know we got back from San Diego where it was eighty five degrees. Wow. It was like oh, oh Michigan. Man. You know, so, wow. how do you spell relief? Renee, right. are you are you one of those ones that like refuse to turn the heat on till like a certain time? Put some socks on, put a sweater on, you're fine. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You sound like everyone's dad. I know. <laughs> I know. Me, I, me, I'm a baby. I it, the the minute it's not 68 degrees in my house, I'm turning the heat on or I'm turning the AC on. Now, Gail did turn off the air conditioning, which yeah. You know, was, well, that's wow. the, which with what the, a move. With the windows <laughs> open, there was no way that it was going to be triggered no, anyway. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. 
I just, I don't know. Maybe you guys need to install a whole house fan if it was so hot this weekend that you guys had to open up the windows. We need whoever has uh, insulated Guy's house out to ours, apparently. Mine's a 90-year-old home. It isn't insulated. Man, wow. something's going on. <laughs> wood windows, the glazing's breaking off. It's, you know. Wow. All right. Well, that's not, <laughs> out of all the things that have surprised me this morning, that surprised me the most. <laughs> Lloyd, it's a victory Monday. Oh, man. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're tired of singing the fight song. No, I wasn't uh, yesterday. Let's uh, let's hear it. Oh, we're down the field. You're actually at the game yesterday. I was at the game yesterday. And let me tell you, it was live in that place yesterday. It was so loud. I mean, and I've gone to games where, you know, they get loud. But on those third downs. Yeah. It was loud, man. And I know the quarterback had a tough time hearing what was going on because I was my son was right next to me, and yeah. I had a tough time talking to him. Well, he threw to two lions, so apparently he did have some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, the place had to have gone off when, when Eminem was on the big screen. Oh, that was crazy, too. Yeah. That was crazy, too. As soon as they showed Eminem, everybody was going crazy. Now, what was it like? You know, there's a, a scary moment where uh, Chandler Zavala, uh, the, the rookie offensive lineman from Carolina, uh, went down and and on yeah. TV it almost it almost felt like Demar Hamlin because they kept doing that thing where they came back to break went yeah. back to commercial quickly they stopped showing the replay of the injury which mm-hmm. is a bad sign what was it like in there it was just quiet it was yeah. very very quiet and uh, people were were really concerned about what was going on on the field it was you know so long it took so long but. Um, yeah, it was it was it was very scary. Had to be a sense of relief though when they carted him off. And it he... was, and everybody started clapping, and it was great. Yeah. And I don't know if they showed this during the um, uh, halftime, but there were some people who had survived cancer oh. who uh, were um, uh, saluted during mm-hmm. halftime, and it was it was it was really awesome as well. One of them was the uh, the the husband of the teacher of one of my kids. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, and she goes to my church. They both go to my church. And so I saw, I was like, oh, man. You know, and I knew he had been sick. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they saluted him uh, and the wife and everybody. So and what was, was the great. locker room like? Uh, jovial, excited. But again, they done Jovial? They... That sounds like my, you know, Uncle Bill when he gets a, you know. <laughs> I thought it was a great word to $5. use at 5.55 yeah, in the morning. The picture. <laughs> My point I was gonna make is though, like even in you know Green Bay in at Arrowhead, they're they're like on this mission. They're happy, but they're like we're not done yet. Yeah, you know yeah. what I w- want to know? How different is it going into the locker room after a win as opposed to to a loss? I mean, after a loss, there's there's always a different tone. Like you're asking questions, like you're at a funeral home. You. You went for it on fourth and one. It didn't quite work out. What happened? You Is know? that your Jamie impression? No, that's my that's my somber uh, post game, trying not to upset the coach uh, uh, impression. But it's got to be a, a, a quite a drastic, different feeling going day. in. Yeah, it's night and day. If they're happy, they stick around. They're willing to talk, even if they've wrapped up. You know, their interview. You missed it. Sure, I'll give you more time. Right. Mm-hmm. If they've lost, they're showering. They're out of there. The guys that have to talk, you know, the captains will stick mm-hmm. around. But yeah, it's a completely different experience. So I didn't have to do that this year so far. Yeah, and so so far, ex- except for that uh, second Seattle. game against Seattle, yeah. yeah. Um, you you haven't had to use your funeral director voice, right? Like this, <laughs> which I don't know if you do. It's it's more of a radio thing. Brandy, Brandy was 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 big. You, you can tune in at the end of the game, and if Brandy was talking like this, you know Michigan lost mm-hmm. or the Lions lost. And if he was talking like this, you know it, it was a win. <laughs> so, 
Um, of course, the other big story is uh, just this all-out war that has broken out in Israel between Israel and um, Palestine uh, from the Gaza Strip. We're going to be covering this extensively this morning uh, with, with uh, multiple guests. And um, I, I don't know how bad this is, uh, this is going to get, but there's just so many moving parts here. And it's such a tenuous situation that um, it, it, it was it, we, we all know that there's been conflict over this land for years and years. But even even military intelligence, Israel and the U.S. both said this was even on the radar. Well, and Secretary Blinken yesterday on Meet the Press sidestepped the question. You know, is, is, is this not a massive intelligence? Well, we'll get to that. We'll, uh-huh. we'll look at that. Right. But right now, we need to do. Right. No, Safety is our priority. You, we'll sort that out you later. You need to figure it the heck out right now because we need to know if they're going to be future incursions. Right. Right. And they're surrounded on all sides. You got the West Bank really close to Israel. You got Hezbollah and Lebanon from the north. And you got uh, a, a whole bunch of hostile actors surrounding the country. So. Um, we've got we got a ton of experts we're going to be talking to. Again, there's no reason to change your radio dial. We'll have it covered from all aspects. First thing, WJR. With Renee Vitale, and uh, if you missed anything from the show, you can find our podcast wherever you get your shows. Just look up First Thing WJR. More lawsuits are being filed in connection to the Oxford High School shooting, this time against the Michigan State Police. Attorney Todd Flood has been our go-to for analysis on the story, and he breaks it down with Kevin and Tom on All Talk. The family of one of the Oxford High School shooting victims is has filed a lawsuit against Michigan State Police, Kevin, and the legal complaint says, listen, police did not adequately respond to tips, and they didn't heed the warnings ahead of time before the shooting occurred. Yeah, it's not easy to win a case against uh, law enforcement, uh, but the family of uh, Hannah St. Juliana uh, has filed a suit against the Michigan State Police. Let's bring in Todd Flood of the Flood Law Firm. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Okay, good morning. I'm, I'm great, guys. I'm great. As you look at this case, what, 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 is, what is it being alleged that uh, Michigan State Police failed to do here? Well, in large part, um, as it relates to heeding the, the threats or potential threats that they may have known about and may have turned a blind eye to um, as it relates to the potential at the time of uh, Crumbly doing this massacre. So um, it's a very difficult case. It's nothing's easy in this world when you sue a government entity, but you basically have to show that there was this willful disregard, this gross negligence um, on behalf of the Michigan State Police. And I can tell you in our state, um, that uh, is a high, a high burden and high standard to overcome. Not that it can't be, but um, that's one that's uh, difficult because they're held to a higher standard. Yeah, I, the a spokesperson for MSP said, out of respect for the families, we will not publicly dispute the allegations made in the lawsuit, except to say that okay to say did not receive any tips related to the violence carried out at Oxford High School or the individual who committed this crime. Um, I don't know what other circumstances uh, exist, but if, if if they didn't if they didn't get tips, I don't know how they can aggressively pursue them. Well, that's going to be the $64 million question. They're throwing out there the, the fact that uh, through discovery and through um, 
uh, reports that Michigan State Police did get tips or did get um, notified that this was uh, threats that were being put out there or had the belief that their uh, crumbly was one that was spiraling out of control, had guns, had, uh, had you know, if you remember pre the previous event, um, th there were several social media uh, posts and several uh, um, scares of, of parents and kids basically not wanting to come into school. Um, because of potential threats. Now, if you can show the trail that this went to the Michigan State Police, that these threats were there, and they then just turned a blind eye, a willful disregard, then you can get to that, that level of gross negligence. If I were to sue a private entity, I just have to show ordinary negligence, and that's much easier than that higher burden. But you first have to be able to show that the Michigan State Police received the information mm. and that they had this blind, they turned a blind eye to it. Um, and those are very difficult cases. Yeah, they got to show that, you know, somebody made a complaint, right, to Michigan State Police and they just decided to uh, throw it out the window, ignore it. Does the lawsuit imply that there, there were existing protocols already in place that that broke down or does it imply that they just don't have the right protocols to begin with so the, it looks to me as the lawsuit has a multi you know they, they plead in the alternative it looks as though at two things the, the biggest thing here is is that the protocol that they were supposed to follow for the tips was not was not adhered to and then on the second step, they have Michigan State Police has a threat assessment policy manual for which they're supposed to follow, um, and that they did not follow that threat assessment policy manual. So uh, inside baseball is, here is, is that um, it's all going to be about two things, I believe. Um, and, you know, I'm not spearheading this lawsuit, but one is what did you know? And what did you do when you found out about this information? How does it normally work? Because a lot of tips come through. Uh, Michigan State Police and other law enforcement agencies receive all sorts of complaints. Do they have to check into every single tip that comes in? Uh, and do they have the resources to do that? Well, I think resources is a bigger question. I don't, I don't necessarily know uh, when I... I have plenty of friends within the Michigan State Police, and I have an immense amount of respect for uh, many of our guys and ladies in blue. Um, they, they truly are, are heroes in a lot of ways, as you both know. Um, so resources is always an issue in the state of Michigan right now um, for our law enforcement. Um, but this is a category of threat. So the category of threat goes into um, basically, uh, you know, is this a terrorist attack, bomb attack? What, you know, what level of threat this goes to and the channels for where it goes? So if you have, um, especially in today's day and age, you know, um, that there is a kid that, uh, or a mass, potential mass shooting that may take place or a threat to children, 
um, that's a high level threat. And I can tell you, uh, when even when we get the fake ones in, uh, uh, they are serious. They're taken very seriously. So because that's a you know hits that peak, that red level. So uh, that's the normal protocol. Um, and uh, it also Mike Bouchard, Oakland County Sheriff's Office, has also talked about this at length in his protocol team. So uh, who does what and when? Um, it, it is in our state and I think across the country, one of the highest uh, concerns because of the epidemic or pandemic, if you want, of these mass shooters. Yeah, I don't remember MSP saying, hey, uh, you know, this mistake took place and we're going to change our policy on this or that or the other thing. Uh, I I don't recall anything like that. Uh, There must be the the fact that they said uh, nobody called okay to say uh, the the family must believe that they got information from someone, either the school or parents or or should have known about it based on social media posts or something. Uh, There has they they wouldn't likely bring this lawsuit unless there's fairly certain that the police knew something might go go wrong at that school. That's my understanding. Uh, being part of this case, um, that's, that's my understanding, is that there was a notice given. And um, I have not, through what I have read and seen, I have, um, you know, uh, uh, I haven't seen that particular issue. Um, I'm not saying it's not out there. Um, but it's not one uh, that um, I, I've come across as it relates to the notice given to the Michigan State Police. Uh, that's Todd Flood talking about the uh, lawsuit being filed uh, against the Michigan State Police by families of Oxford High School shooting victims. Uh, coming up after the break, we haven't even gotten into um, the latest uh, from Sean Fain and, and, and his announcement on Facebook Live last Friday. Renee also noticed something very interesting out our window here at the 8th Florida Fisher Building. We'll talk about that after the news. It's first thing.